Would you like to welcome Nick and Di once again? I'm going to pray for these guys as they come speak with us. Jesus, I thank you so much for this couple. I thank you for their faithfulness to speaking what you have put on their hearts for us. And I pray that you would give them all freedom to do that once again this morning. And we ask that your name would be glorified today. Amen. Kia ora koutou, whanau. So that is a, a Māori greeting from New Zealand, from our native people. And a kia ora koutou is hello to many, morena is morning. And then I added the whānau, which I haven't done on this trip so far. But whānau means family. And I just like, to, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'd just like to say that we really feel family in this place. And we've stayed with some beautiful people We've played putt-putt with some beautiful people, and we've got to know some of you, and we really feel like it's family here this morning. So thank you for welcoming us. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about who we are. So we are the Scots, and we are from New Zealand. So some of you get us mixed up with Australia, so we'll just put up a world map to figure out there we are. So there's England right up there, and we're right down the bottom of the cold South Pacific. So that's where New Zealand is. And then the next slide within New Zealand, we have Auckland at the top, which is our capital city. And Wellington, oh no, Auckland's not our capital city. Gosh, Wellington is our capital city at the bottom of the North Island. We live in Palmerston North, two hours north of that. It's a 100,000 city. It's a quite farmery. Um, yeah, yeah, progressive city. Um, you don't actually go through it on the main road, so it's sort of out to the, out to the side, but we love it. And then I have some children, Nick and I do. <laughs> and we have Chrisana there on the left. She's our oldest. She's 29. Uh, Caleb in the middle just turned 21. And Lydia on the right, 25. And they all live in Wellington. And Caleb's just about to finish his degree. And the two girls work. And um, so Nick and I, we are passionate about people. I'm really passionate about women and being women being able to hear God's voice and, and champion all the things that are in their heart to do for God. And Nick, as some of you would have heard over the weekend, we've had a great, great time. He loves um, teaching people how to hear God's voice. And, uh, and yeah, that's why we've been here mainly on this trip. We go home in a week and I'm actually not ready to go home. Normally after about eight days I'm ready, but I've had such a wonderful time in your country. So thank you for that. Um, I'll hand over to my boy. That's an affectionate term. <laughs> just going to get my phone because I've written some notes on it. I just want to know why you're not sitting with your wife. Have you had an argument? <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, okay. I might have to do some marriage counselling there. Um, like we really enjoyed, especially uh, Saturday night was amazing. Um, and seeing the Spirit of God move and being passengers. So I don't think I've given a prophetic word yet. Is that true? Yeah. So it's a whole day talking about the prophetic and I've given no words because the body's done it all. And that's what it's about. Okay. And I just want to sort of point out a few people. I always forget your name, sorry. You can see that finger coming towards you. Anisa, good. 
like there's different gifts when it comes to prophetic. There's personal words, they're strategic. So that's the building prophet talked about in Ephesians 4. And we asked them to pray for two churches they knew nothing about in New Zealand, which we obviously knew a lot about. And Anita gave us a word that was so spot on for that church that she'd never been to in her life. And uh, I just want to say, Anita, that you are one of those building prophets. And a building prophet equips and releases. So that means gathering people, women, around you and inputting into them and releasing that gift inside of you. Okay, I, uh, I love that part of it. I love teaching people how to hear God's voice. It's my passion, absolute passion. And that's where I get my most joy. It's not about giving words. Okay, and I love seeing the smile on people's faces when they finally work out they can hear God. And I think, Anita, you'll have the same thing. So I just encourage you, gather young women. However that fits for you, if it's a morning, if it's lunch, if it's after an evening, whatever fits you. But if you gather, that gift of yours will grow. I've never pursued the prophetic gift. Okay, I know it says in the Bible to pursue it, but I never have. I've just pursued God. And I just love him. And worship was fantastic, and I could have cried over there today. Because he's such a great God, isn't he? Rodney. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just want to release you from some of the prophetic gift. Now, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But for me, there's different gifts, and you can do them all. But there's one you're supposed to do, and that's carry the presence of God. And I just want to encourage you, just do that. Words and other things will come, but that's your role. It's your role in the household is to carry the presence of God. Okay, and you carry the presence of God and you release the presence of God. And it's the most fantastic thing. And last night we had one wave of the Holy Spirit, which was great, and there was prophetic words everywhere. I don't think there's many people that didn't give prophetic words, except for Janet. but we'll let her off as long as she brings one today. <laughs> but then we had a second wave and we waited. We waited for the Holy Spirit to move and then Rodney came up and he started tickling us with the Holy Spirit. It's one of the weirdest things I've felt in my life. <laughs> and I honestly, I've been touched by the Holy Spirit a lot, but I've never laughed. Never. But I laughed and I laughed, and I laughed. Okay? He carries the Holy Spirit. When he moves, you have to watch him, get close, and let him take you a space that the Holy Spirit wants to take you. It's not Rodney, but he has the pleasure of carrying the Holy Spirit. Is that fair? Just looking around for others that I wanted to sort of point out. Joe, you're not keen on this one? Okay. Well, I actually know what you do for a job, 
but I had this word, so it, and it ties in with your job, so I'm really sorry. But the word I had was jovial. So jovial, okay? Vial for medicine, okay? But it wasn't actually that you're applying the medicine. I actually saw your hands go into someone's heart, and it was like you tore into their heart. And you went, oh, there it is. And you just got the tweezers, pulled it out, put the heart back together, and the person just went, oh, man, what's happened? And it was open heart surgery. But it was things inside of their heart that they've been struggling with forever. But you had the ability just to go, you're quite aggressive. I have to give you that. You're quite aggressive. It wasn't as if you softly, softly came in and went, let's just heal this person. You actually, boom, bull to the gate, running at them. And then open the heart, pull out the little piece that needed healing, healed. So I just want to encourage you, okay? Usually that comes with discernment. So you might need some of that for the next season. But, but don't hold back. Don't be cautious. When you feel like you know something, just go for it, okay? Sue, you haven't had an argument, have you? Because <laughs> you prefer her than... <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> you were standing at the back yesterday, and I went up to you and I said, look, what are you feeling? And you just said, I just love watching the Holy Spirit, doing everything he does. And you clearly could see everything he was doing, couldn't you? And you came up and you shared, inside you just felt excited. Wow. And that's, like, that's a gift I have, to see what the Holy Spirit's doing. Okay, it's that discernment gift, discerning what's happening, what's happening inside of people's heart, where's the Spirit moving? It's a gift. Carries the Holy Spirit, discerns what the Holy Spirit's doing. Okay? So enjoy standing in the back and watching. Like if you watched me last night, I was in the back most of the time, wasn't I? Just watching, enjoying. Enjoy it, but know when you've got to come up and say, this is what I feel like God's doing. And tell him what you're feeling. I'm excited, I'm sad, I've got a sore heart, something's happened, words of knowledge, because you've got the, all that inside of you. Is that okay? Cool. Um, I just want to talk to the guy in the very back with the glasses. What's your name? Chris. Chris. Okay. Chris the comedian. That's what I had. I looked at you, and it's like, I thought, hmm. This guy could probably do, be a stand-up comic. He could be quite funny. Now, I don't, I don't know you, Chris. I don't know if that's your personality or not. But I just felt like God was going to put you in a place that when you stood up, joy would come out of you, out of your mouth. And almost like there's a hidden talent inside of you that you don't actually want to show anyone. But when you stand up, it will reveal itself. And there's a confidence that will grow as you stand up. But when you stand up, you'll bring joy. Does that make any sense? It does? Phew. That's good. Um, the guy in the cap, looking at me now. Uh, Terry. I had a picture of an implement shed. Do you know what that is? Where you do. 
You're aware of that sort of stuff? So I can see tractors, different size tractors. It was a three-bay implement shed. It's a small tractor, middle size, big tractor. You preferred the big tractor, <laughs> not the smalls. Is that true? <laughs> and it was almost like you'd come in, you look at the three tractors and go, okay, Lord, the harvest is fertile. Which one do I need? And you'd pick the one that was perfect and you'd plough the field and just like the harvest would come. And you know, like even looking at now, I can see people flocking because of who you are. And you've got three tractors, small, middle, large. You pick the small, there's a small harvest because it's perfect. You pick the middle, there's a middle harvest and it's perfect. You pick the big, there's a big harvest and it's perfect. And you can do all three. Can I just pray for you? Terry. Lord, I just want to lift up Terry, Lord. There's one of the body here, Lord. And I just want to ask, Lord, that you would bring people to him, Lord. Gather those around that he already knows, Lord. And Lord, I just want to pray for an exponential growth in his friendships, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, that when there's a friend of one, that that connects them to ten, and those ten connect them to a hundred, and those a hundred connect them to a thousand, Lord. And I want to pray for men of peace to come around them, that open up different communities to him, Lord. And I just want to pray that the Holy Spirit's words would rest on his lips, and when he opens his mouth, he'd go, what was that? Who was that? That's you, Lord. And his words would be your words, Lord. In your mighty name. Is that okay? Go. Cool. Postman Pat. Coming to you with the glasses. Like, uh, last night we talked about deposits of gold, didn't we? And uh, you were going around in your little red car. And then you're coming out, you're bringing the letter, forget the letter, chuck, and you just put deposits of gold into people's letterboxes, into the little flap. And then you went to the next one, that's a bill. And you just stuck deposits of gold. And again, deposits of gold. And I'm just, I'll just say, I think God's going to do that. And I think, you know, the things that you give to people will be things that surprise people. And they'll just open up on the spot with you. Okay? And hearts will be open to you. Because, you know, the postman goes to a house. He doesn't go to a crowd. He goes to a house. And sometimes there's two people, which you're good with. Sometimes there's four people, which you're good with. Sometimes there's a hundred, which you don't actually like that much. Okay? So it's house, families, which you love. And when you give those deposits, people's hearts will be open. Is that all good? I'm just going to leave it there just so we can get on with a quick teaching. Okay? Just want to bring out the first one. 
I talked about uh, yesterday about this prayer place that God made for me. So I'm just going, that's what it looks like right there. Okay? So it's up a hill, there's no path to it, there's no nothing. I just scale up it. 30 years ago, there was nothing there. Then eight years ago, this appeared on the top. A platform, seat for me, seat for God. Don't know how they got it there. There's no path. Don't know who made it. But I've been there 30 years and no one's ever come up to that hill. I'm not skiting about this. I'm just saying that's how special God treats us. That's special. He loves it. He loves spending time with us. And he doesn't necessarily want us to talk, 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 talk all the time to him. He just wants us to sit and enjoy him and enjoy his presence. And it's in the quiet we find him. It's not when we chew his ear off. We've got to learn to be quiet and just enjoy his presence. Because when we're quiet, he leans into us and his ear gets close to my, I mean his mouth gets close to my ear and when his mouth's close to my ear, his heart's right there. And I feel his heart and he feels my heart. That's what I want. So I just encourage you, let's spend time with him, not talking. Okay? Can you go to the next slide? This is the word when I prayed for you guys about a week ago. This is the word that I got for the church. And it was a picture of a horse in the badminton horse trials. And I felt like God said, you are coming to a water jump. Now, if you know badminton, this water jump, I think, has another couple of jumps in the water before you get out. You need to steady yourself, take stock of the surroundings, gather your thoughts, and position the horse exactly the right distance from the first jump. Also, in your mind, you're working out how many strides to get to the next jump and the next jump until you get out of the water. And I felt like God said, you need to walk, not run, in the next season. Yesterday, we saw the Holy Spirit start to move. When the Holy Spirit starts to move, what happens? Chaos. Okay, the Holy Spirit moves, it's fantastic. But the moves that I've been in, there's always resistance from the enemy. Always. What stops that? Unity. Unity stops it. And it's just, remember, this is one jump. When you jump in, you're in the water, it slows up, slows you up. Slows you up because there's resistance against the horse. What is the water? It's the Holy Spirit. Slows you up. Doesn't speed you up, slows you up. It's like take time in the next season to figure out what God's doing. Knit the body closer because resistance will come. It's just been fantastic yesterday seeing the Holy Spirit move, but this is the warning for the future. When he moves, resistance comes. Can you go to the next? Diane and I were walking around the beach in New Zealand and I asked God what to talk on. And he, there was a car 
in a security fence, and it had the word prophecy on it, which I thought, I've never seen that, so this must be you, Lord. And then underneath it, I had, you can just see it, underneath the word prophecy, unite, secure, preserve, which makes it pretty clear. Obviously, I'm stupid, and God wanted to make sure I got it really clearly. Unite at all costs, secure the future, preserve the past, put everything right. Whatever's happened in the past, let's put things right. It starts with us. It starts with us working out who we might have offence with, who we might have fallen out of relationship with, and it's up to us to put that right. It's not leaders. It starts here. Work out who we've fallen away with and put that part right first. Can you go to the next slide? This is a, a scripture that all of you know. I've skipped ahead to verse 21. In fact, let's go to 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it, if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Quite often we miss these parts at the end, but it's quite clear. If you honour the weaker parts, there will be no division in the body. Is it up to the leaders to create unity? But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. It's not. It's a Western culture thing when we look at leaders and we go, it's up to them to put things right. It's just rubbish. It's not the way scripture says it. Whoever's in the back row looks out for people in the front row, looks out for people on the side. We're all in this together. That's how families work. If the Holy Spirit's going to move, which we know he is going to move, we're going to make sure we go back to this. We're all part of the holy priesthood of all believers. We're all able to enter in the presence of God. We're all able to hear his voice. We don't want to default to leaders. That's like the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is available to all of us. And if you saw it last night, you could see the body in action. I was theoretically leading. You were leading. She was leading. Do we do anything? Not a lot. But the body worked. It's interesting with Ephesians 4, which in the apostolic church that we're in, in terms of synergy and salt and light, you've probably heard the Ephesians 4 over and over and over. Is that true? And do we believe it? Yep, apostolic gifts, the fivefold gifts. If we remove that part from that chapter, you'll notice in the first three lines, make every, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's the start of that verse, of that chapter. Unity. Apostolic gifts. And the second part talks about unity again. It's like a sandwich. 
Unity at the start, apostolic gifts second, unity underneath. And the sandwich makes the apostolic gifts safe. Unity, unity. If you want to release the apostolic gifts, it's not about chasing the gifts. It's about chasing unity. Go back to the church in Antioch when Paul and Barnabas were released. They were released out of a church that was of one heart. They were together. Unity gifts unity. And I just want to stress that it's all about unity. Do you want to go to the next? I've been in church all my life, apart from walking away in my 20s. Uh, and I keep on hearing this prophetic word, which is it's the younger generation that God's going to use. Who said that word? And we were there as the younger generation, and we were told that. I don't think scripturally that lines up. I think we are a generation from zero to 100. And for unity to apply, we've got to work that way. If we allow ourselves to be sectioned off, zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, suddenly we've just created division but we're actually one together in this we're family like when the kids play up here and they make noise that's great isn't it doesn't make you think oh be quiet it's like oh it's the joy they're like we want to be having fun and we're sitting in the pews stoic looking up the front going hmm, wish i was them <laughs> it's the joy of family together I just want to give this last scripture or word before Diane comes up and shares a couple of stories. Before, I, uh, before we left, I got this word, and it's for the older generation. And it's the story of Jesus turning the water into wine. And he says to the people, he says, go over and fill up those vessels. You know that part of the scripture? We know that? So what were those vessels? That's where people washed their hands as they came in. And when the Jewish, in the Jewish culture, that was about cleansing because they were unclean. So they came in, they washed their hands to cleanse themselves so they could come in. So those vessels held what? Uncleanness. They weren't just water. It was everyone's uncleanness that walked in the door. And Jesus didn't say empty it. He said, fill it up. He left the uncleanness in there. Now, if you imagine, these vessels are about, I think they're about this sort of high. Okay? So way up here. You put your hands in, how deep are you going to go to get your hands clean? Maybe here? Not far, are you? Because you've probably got something on your sleeves. So not far. So there's hardly any water that's probably been spilt. It's all the uncleanness of all the guests that have walked into that wedding. And Jesus says, fill it up, and they go and fill it up. And he, it gets taken to the master of the ceremony, and he tastes it, and what does he say? Why have you left the best till last? And I just want to say to the older generation, and I'm not part of that, 
and I want to just make that distinction, okay? The older generation, I want to say, if you allow the Holy Spirit to move, it's going to be the same for you. Why have you saved the best for last, God? Because I have. Because if you choose to trust me, I will pour out my spirit on the older generation, and the older generation will lead the church into some new thing. It doesn't mean the rest of us don't get to go. But if you go to churches like we have over the last six weeks, the older generation is absolutely present. And I'd like to say here, you're quite well balanced compared to most churches we've been to. The 30 and the 40-year-old generations, if you want to call that. Just said not to call it that, but let's just go with that. Non-existent in all churches that we've been to. But the older generation are still there, loyally serving. Are they going to serve selfishly, or are they going to let what happens to them pour out on the body? They're going to let what happens to them pour out on the body. Uh, we like to pray for that generation afterwards. So we're talking, I think we made a thing of 63 and over, those that are approaching uh, retirement. So we'd like to pray for you guys afterwards. I'm just going to get Diane to come up and share. So that's the talk. Diane's doing the fun part, the stories of what we've walked through in terms of the body. Oh, thank you. I'm not sure that they're fun. <laughs> I'm just going to have two little quick stories, and I'm sure you guys have got many yourselves, but this is how we've been felt how we felt with our body and unity when we've gone through situations. So we bought a commercial cleaning company off a friend of ours who was Nick's hockey coach. He was a Sikh Muslim fella, Sikh, Sikh Indian, sorry. And um, it had about 80 staff. It did um, commercial cleaning and window washing and pest control, power washing, chimney sweeps and all those kind of services in between. Um, so that started okay, and then about a month into it, um, we, um, we noticed that some of our staff were gathering uh, in the car park. We thought, what are they doing out there? And then there was a, a lawyer with them, and we thought, what's going on here? And so they stood there for a while, and we didn't go out to see them, we just waited. And the lawyer came into the office, quite strong, and here I am. But the good thing was, he was one of my best friends, because I'd worked with him in the law firm, before I'd had children. So he was there to say that the guy who we bought the company off still owned all the contracts, all our cleaning contracts, still um, ran all the staff, and that his aim was to uh, make our company fold and destroy, destroy us. So on that day, um, luckily, because he knew me, we just had some nice conversations, and he went back out. Um, but 40 of our staff resigned that day, and we had to call on the body from church. So um, we had a church of 400, which was cool. And um, oh, they came out of their very, very busy lives, and they just served us for a week. We had a youth pastor who was very good at management. So he ran teams that could um, clean some of our um, uh, things in the evening. And like we had youth prisons, we had tech universities, we had child cares. Uh, and we had accountants, firms, and schools, and all those need a high clean every single night. 
So we really noticed the whole body, old and young, came and really helped us for that whole week, which freed us up to go around our contract uh, people and say, here we are, <laughs> we actually own this company now and um, re-employ new staff in a hurry. So that was a real testimony for us of the body really helping us out. Um, so that was good, carried on. So then about a, a, a little bit later, he sued us. And um, he sued us for profit. He sued us for the name of the company and he wanted it all back. So <clears throat> what happened then was we called the prayers and that they got round us. And for the next four years while we were in court, they prayed all the time. Every time there was a drama, they prayed. And uh, we really felt the love of God in that ministry as well. Um, in the end, Nick felt like mediation conked out and we were in court one night at like 11. And, and Nick really felt to get the guy, uh, God told him to get the guy in a room by himself. And their lawyers went, ah, and ours went sweet because they were Christians. And um, Nick really was able to speak into his heart because the whole time we'd been, we'd been walk, walking through this, he had said that he was praying for our death. Uh, through his religious beliefs. And um, <clears throat> what had actually happened when Nick got to talk to him is he revealed that his wife and his mother had died in that four-year period that they were, he was suing us. And actually, he broke. And um, God came through on that night with all our city praying for us at that time. And we managed to have him concede, and we got a judgment. And um, judgment covered the legal costs. That was about it. But at least we saved the company. And it, God went on to flourish our company. So that was the body and different facets as we needed them, really praying together and saving our bacon. We would not have kept that livelihood in company if he hadn't. So that was one example of God's goodness to us. <laughs> oh, yes, now there's this one. I'm going to not cry at this one. So Chrisana, that was the one, my oldest daughter. Um, some of you would have heard the story already. She was born at 20, 24 weeks gestation in Wellington because I got really, really sick. So... We went to hospital and about eight doctors said she wasn't going to live because we had this thing called HELP syndrome, a toxemia, and the only way to fix it is to separate the two of you and 24 weeks is quite early. So for 16 weeks, we were down two hours south in Wellington Hospital and <clears throat> Nick had to sort of give up work, um, and, but, but they did transfer him to Wellington. We had people praying all around us and um, our home group leader used to finish his job as a mechanic, come to Wellington, get there at like eight or nine at night, sit with us and pray with us and pray for Chrisana the baby and then drive back to Palmerston North and he did that weekly for four months. And we just really felt the love of people. We had to shift house in the middle of this process and um, our home group and many, many people did it. And I'm sure you guys are the same, but I just felt like if we didn't have the kind of support that we'd had, that I'm not sure if any of us would have made it and we wouldn't have had work and, and stuff like that. So I just encourage you to get around each other in times of need and bring out the prayer warriors, but bring out the practical help. And um, we're really evidence of that in our lives. We thank you. Yeah, like um, we were leading youth group at that time that Chrisana was born. Chrisana used to fit in my hand, so she was the size of a pen. Her uh, eyes were not open at the start, and there were constantly things that went wrong. Uh, you'd walk in there and there'd be a drip hanging out of her head. I'd be like, oh. And then you go and pray, 
in the hallway and you come back and fixed. And this was from someone that had wandered from God. But every time we prayed, God turned up. One of the interesting stories, we were, we were, um, we were leading youth and so the youth leaders came and visited us very early on and the girls brought flowers for Diane and the boys were like, flowers. So they brought a cauliflower. Which was quite cool. It gave us a bit of a laugh because we hadn't had many laughs. But then Chrisana's gone on. Uh, she was just over a pound when she was born. She has gone on and got a triple degree. And she now works for our foreign affairs office in the Asia section. So it just shows, and I know there's stories where children don't make it. But we're one of the lucky ones that God actually stepped in at his grace and Krasana came through. When it came to the court case, I just want to highlight one thing. The enemy is strong. We all hear and we all read in scripture how great God is, and he is. But I'd find myself driving out into the country ready to crash the car. And that happened quite a few times. And then suddenly I would just come to, it's like, what am I doing? And God would stop it. But the enemy is strong. And when the Holy Spirit moves, he will resist. And he'll resist with things that are precious to us. So we have to be on our guard. Okay? You know, the armor of God. We all know the armor of God. Sometimes we put it on religiously rather than actually figuring out what it's about. But a lot of the time, he goes for this. When I first heard God's voice, it transferred my belief in God from here to here. I knew he was real. I wasn't trying to reason it through. Holy Spirit gets us to here. The enemy can't have a go at us up here. Because our human nature does not want to agree with God. It's not Satan most of the time. It's me. I'm the biggest trouble in my life. My human nature tells me I'm not a sinner. My human nature tells me I don't need God. My human nature tells me someone else is wrong and I'm right. But my heart informs me that I'm wrong. Can I just pray and then we'll hand over to... Sorry, it's been a heavy session. We just want to make sure that you're ready because we do believe the Holy Spirit's going to move. And we do believe that the next season you need to take your time and not rush into anything. No big decisions. Take your time and see what God does. If you wait, then the harvest will be a lot. If you speed in, you're going to hit some of these barriers in the water and it's going to be painful. Take your time. Lord, we love you. It's all about you. You're the king. And we want to see you, Lord God, absolutely rule in this place, Lord. We want to see you touch City Church. Whether you grow it or not is up to you, Lord. But we want to see it have the maximum impact in your kingdom that it can. We want to see demons flee 
from all over this community, Lord. We want to see people set free. We want to see the flavor of God walk out of here. And for people to be like salt, that when they say something, it touches hearts, Lord. And like honey, that it's sweet to the ears of those that hear, Lord. We honor you. You are the king. You rule. We choose to go under your rulership. And we choose to watch what you're going to do. And Lord, we'd love to be spectators and just see how great it's going to be, Lord, as long as you get the glory. Praise your name, Lord. Amen.